Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. Meredith and I are sad today because we're not in person. We're on Zoom, which is never as fun. Less fun. Still fun, but less fun. Still fun, but slightly less fun. There's less. I mean, how can I snuggle with you if I'm... I can't touch you. Okay, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Although, are you wearing a black shirt and I'm wearing a black shirt? Oh, no, it's green. I'm wearing a green shirt, but it's blending into my hair, so it looks black. It's important things to know, people. But today, we're coming with an episode that I have been trying to really put words to, and I'm struggling a little bit, so we're going to do it right now and see if it makes sense, okay? I wanted to do an episode because around college planning with families, so the family that I have in mind is a family that has a child at a large public high school, and they have one college counseling meeting for the entire year. That's it. (laughs) Here is your one-hour overview of the college process. And while that can be helpful, right, there's a lot missing. A lot can be missing from that. A lot of nuance, a lot of information that is really important as you think about the college process for your child. And so I was thinking, like, what kind of insight can we bring to an episode for these parents who really oftentimes come to us and they're just like, wow, I have this very basic understanding of what my kid needs, Mm. right? But I feel like there's more to know. And what are those things that I need to know, right? To feel really informed and feel like we're going into this process eyes wide open and not just starting in 11th grade, right? Like for a lot of the kids that we coach, the earlier we work with them, the more information we're able to offer and the more sort of steering we can do or advising that we can do, coaching we can do to help them work towards their goals goals in really intentional ways instead of being like kids coming to us junior and being like, you know, nobody ever told me that, so I didn't do it. Yeah. Nobody, what do you mean I had to take these hard classes, right, to enable to go in, in order to be able to go to X college? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really important. And sometimes those college counseling meetings come too late. And the decisions have already been made. So Mm -hmm. that is, I don't know a succinct way to say that, but that's what this episode is about. We want to give you some insights. Stuff to know. Stuff to, important stuff to know as you plan for your child's college journey. So one of the first things that you and I talked about as we were brainstorming this episode is, and I I think it's, it's so important, is context. There's just... I mean, just context covers so much of what you're doing in the college process. So context as it relates to your child within their individual school, context as it relates to the rest of your city, state, the rest of the country, right? So there's just, 
so much to know that oftentimes when we are living in our little bubbles, right, our little high school bubbles, we're like, okay, well, this is what all high schools look like, mm-hmm. right? And this is what a top student at every high school looks like. And it's hard to get context when this is not your job, right? Like mm-hmm. my job is not to know what other teenagers are doing in other parts of the world or the country. Mm-hmm. I know what kids are doing in my high school. And for a lot of kids, they don't even know how they compare to other students at their own schools. Right. I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but it is really important information as you're building a list when you're trying to decide what your reaches, targets, and likelies are. If you have no context as to how competitive you are within your own class, it's very hard to be to know, like, is this school a reach? I don't know. Yeah. I have straight A's. Doesn't that make me one of the top students in my class, Meredith? Doesn't isn't that true? Mm, probably not. Um, it reminds me of so as you're talking, I'm thinking about okay, what might not be immediately shared or obvious to families? And it's making me think of volume. That was the word that kept coming up for me. And and sort of competitiveness within a group. It's kind of like if you were buying a house and you just had some arbitrary number in your mind of your budget, but you, and you just went to some random neighborhood and you did no research in advance on the comps and the degree to which that offer would be competitive or not in that area. So I think that one of the things that you're saying, Kathy, if I'm hearing you correctly, is try to appreciate the volume of students that are applying to college in any given year, not just from your child's school, but in the area nationally, globally, frankly, and question some preconceived notions like, well, my kid has straight A's, so that must mean they can get into Stanford. Like, If you don't have an appreciation for the volume, then it can be really easy to believe that that is very real. And if you don't have an appreciation for the kind of competitive nature of certain places in terms of what they're looking for out of high school seniors, then it could be really easy to think that, oh, they've got like one or two activities that they do sort of for a couple hours a week. And they, you know, they don't really need to take a fourth year of a foreign language, or it's not really important for them to take advanced courses, right? You can just really easily kind of lose touch with the reality, the reality of selective college admission. And when we say that, it's not its not to say that it's bad to have only a couple of extracurricular activities or it's bad to have stop taking foreign language after three years instead of four years. It just depends on what your goals are. And if your goals are more selective college admission for your child, then yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And those decisions usually have to be made pretty early on, right? A lot of classes have prerequisites. You can't. So anyways, we'll talk about course selection in a minute. But one of the the things around just like context for every junior that I'm talking to, I encourage them to try to ask a school counselor. Some schools offer this information openly and some schools don't. Most schools aren't ranking kids anymore, which I think is a good thing. Right. I don't disagree with that at all. But it is hard when schools aren't giving context in terms of GPA and rigor. Right. So it is hard. And I know why schools don't want to do it, because they don't want kids picking classes just so that they can get into college. Well, can I offer another reason? I mean, yes, I agree with that reason. Yes. I think I know the other reason. Keep going. Go. The other reason is because high schools are inflating the hell out of their grades. <laughs> Ooh, girl, you just dropped it there. 
I know. Sorry, everybody, but you know it's true. Run your numbers. Not everybody <laughs> can be in the top 25%. <laughs> right? There's that too. That's a very, very good point. When the lowest grade is a B plus and there's only two of them and someone teaches 80 students, come on now. Come on now. There are other letters. That's a truth bomb right there. That's a truth bomb. Yeah. Thank you. I, we have been lacking a truth bomb. That's a truth bomb. Good for you. I like that. It's probably could make me un- unpopular amongst some of my friends. No, but it's true. It's true. But it's true. That's why they don't do it is because. But ask those questions. It's okay to ask. Yeah, you may not get the answer, <laughs> but it is okay to ask. And it is, I mean, in some ways you do need that information, right? A lot of schools have software that tracks admission data, right? So most of you will have something at your school where you can actually look up an admission history for your specific school, which is very important in terms of context. Actually, can we drill down on that? Because yeah, to your very to your introduction where you're talking about what might parents not be aware of, I think that's actually a really that is really important. A lot of parents don't know that that software exists. There are some popular ones that most schools adopt. So you can always ask. One is Naviance. That's sort of the oldest one. One is Maya Learning. Yeah. What's the third one? There's another one that I'm blanking on right now. It's that one that's really hard to pronounce. It's called a thing that I'll remember later. Okay. But it it has like a really score. 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 Thank you. That's it. (laughs) Score. Square. Score spelled S-C-O-I-R, I I think. (laughs) Yeah. I hate that word. It's so hard to pronounce. Square. Square. (laughs) So those three are sort of the ones you'll see the most in high schools. And a lot of public high schools use them because they they recognize that they lack the personnel, like they don't have the college counseling personnel that they need. So they they use the this information to kind of level set a little bit. And that's really important. You can see, oh, well, how many kids applied to this college from my high school in the last five years? And of those, how many were admitted or denied? And what was their academic profile? Like that context is really important, really helpful. So anyways, that's, I encourage you, if you don't have a sense of context locally, nationally, go get it, go find it. There's something called, this is another little nugget that you probably won't get from a kind of college counseling 101 presentation. Now don't go crazy on the common data set because it's kind of a pain in the ass. It is, it's cumbersome. So it is very cumbersome, but the data is actually publicly available for a lot of the information that you're looking to, looking for in terms of context, there's this thing. It's called the Common Data Set. You can look it up for individual schools and actually see a lot of their admission data for the year, the prior, or is it, I don't think it's a prior year. I think you'll find data from like two years prior, their admission data. But it gives a lot of great information and gives you lots of context to look at in terms of GPAs, the amount of honors and AP classes students might be taking, all of that stuff. So- Anyways, that's a little a little nugget. We also wanted to talk about extracurriculars. So, well, actually, let's talk about course selection first because we already sort of started talking about rigor and context and what that looks like and why that's important. Yeah, I think course selection, you know, and again, when I think some of this may be obvious to some of our listeners, but I think for a lot of our listeners, it's not so obvious. And especially if you... There used to be a time when a high school graduation, a set of high school graduation requirements was enough to, was sort of equal to admission requirements for certain selective colleges. I would say that time passed maybe 30, 40 years ago. (laughs) So. So a minute. (laughs) It's been a minute. What a student needs to graduate from high school 
in terms of like how many years of math or how many years of English, well, English is four years in California, how many years of a foreign language, science, et cetera, is often not the same, not even close to being the same expectations of rigor of curriculum and volume of curriculum that selective and highly selective colleges expect of their of their applicants. And by highly selective and selective, let's just call it schools that admit less than 25%, 20%. Yeah. So you might go to a school and your child comes to you and say, oh, well, like I want to take, I want to stop math in my junior year. I don't need to take a fourth year of math. Oh, like I've, I tested into Spanish two as a freshman. So I'm going to take Spanish three as a sophomore. And then I'm going to be done with foreign language. Like I'm already exceeding the two years of foreign language by being in Spanish three as a sophomore. So Kathy, what would you say to all that? Well, that might be what you want to do, but let's talk through what you're going to do instead. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So when I have that conversation with kids about stopping foreign language, for example, or like even the choice of foreign language, this is so this is like the nuanced stuff that we're talking about. Like I have kids who are like, could I take ESL? I'm like, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. You mean ASL? Huh? You mean ASL. Sorry, did I say ESL? You said ESL. I mean, they might, (laughs) if they need ESL, they should take it. (laughs) I was ESL. Anyways, ASL. (laughs) That's American Sign Language, friends. American Sign Language. And I'm like, no, I don't think you should take American Sign Language. I'm sorry. Because it's a rigor thing. It's a rigor thing. Well, what about if I'm fluent in Mandarin and I can take AP Mandarin my freshman year of high school? Nah. I'm not impressed by that. Correct. That don't impress me much. See, I'm going to start singing again. I'm feeling it. She's feeling it. She's warmed up. <laughs> I'm feeling Shania. Okay. Because uh, no, because I'm I'm a no. When I look at your profile, I'm like, oh, you came to the United States when you were 17 years old. So I am not impressed by your AP. Right. Your AP Chinese five. And you right. are completely <laughs> fluent in that language already. That's that's what you've been speaking your entire life. Right. Exactly. Right. I'm not so impressed. And yeah, I actually was just talking to one of my students about the foreign language. She's a middle schooler, actually. She's like, should I take, what language should I take? I, go, I, could, I could take ASL. And I was like, I think maybe Spanish or French is better, <laughs> you know, like making that decision even now. I'm like, should I take it? Should I start getting middle school? Because if I take it at my high school, I'll get one year of credit. I'm like, and she's like, and then I'll be done after one more year. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> No, you won't. Yeah, you'll actually. So yeah. So again, let's be real. I mean, this has a clear answer. You need four years of everything, friends. If you want to go into highly selective college admission, you need four years of English. You need four years of math. You need four years of a foreign language. Not And notice I said four years in residence, not the fourth level, because you could test out of stuff. You need all the things. Now, And not only do you need all those things, you need to pursue progressively more rigorous curriculum. So let's say I just had this conversation about math with a student. He has a choice between next year, he's a sophomore, he's in Algebra 2. He's like, well, I could take pre-calc or I could take stats, but I'm going to take stats because it just seems more interesting. And I'm like, you're going to take (laughs) (laughs) pre-calc. For sure. That's just like a no-brainer, right? Yeah. I was like, actually, no. And you and I, we can afford to be pretty direct in those ways. I said, well, from what I understand, this is the target we're trying to get in two years. So that means you need, you know, for better or for worse, we can have a whole intellectual argument about the bias that some admission offices have towards certain classes or not. I think they're trying to examine that more. But like, hey, yeah, you need calculus. Surprise. 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 Sorry. Surprise. Surprise. Yep. So the course selection stuff. Probably won't come up in your college. I mean, it's too late when it comes up in your junior year college 101 counseling meeting, right? So that's why we're trying to give you that information early on to think about course selection. 
Seed it now. Yeah. Yeah. In strategic ways. Progressively more rigorous. We have other episodes in our podcast that talk about course selection in a deeper way. So yeah, listen to those. So you know the yes, we want it to be more rigorous, but not so rigorous that kids are unsuccessful, right? Like that's no good. Yeah. The episode is called Is it better to get an A in a quote unquote regular class or B in an AP class? So you can listen to that episode. We'll talk more about that. The other thing that we wanted to talk about, which doesn't typically come up in a college counseling 101 presentation, is the role of extracurriculars and how to choose them, why it's important. We just did an episode on what extracurriculars should my child, like are certain extracurriculars are better than others. So that you should listen to that episode too. We won't talk about that, but extracurriculars are important. And I'll tell you right now, the conversation that I have a lot of my students early on and I say, listen, the common application And for those of you who don't know, the common application is the application that most colleges use nowadays to read applications, or that's how applications are submitted. The common app has 10 spaces for you to fill out things that you've done, your extracurricular life. How many spaces do you want to fill? And most of my kids say, what do you think they say, Meredith? 10. Yeah. Most of them are like eight to 10, (laughs) at least. And most of them want to fill, they want to be able to put their best foot forward. Right. Right. And that's important to know. So 10, 10 activities over the course of four years, right? And if you don't have 10 activities, it's you got to have some that you do really deeply. You know, you're, you got a part-time job because that you need to, and that's 20 hours of your week. Obviously, that's going to yep. inhibit your ability to be involved in a whole lot of other things. So like, that's fine. Yeah. You, you fence at a national level, you know, whatever. You're doing something really competitively. Like that is totally understandable. But for just... Your average high school kiddo, right, participating in the extracurricular life of your school and your community is important. It always surprises me when kids come to us and they're like, I've only done like two things. I'm like, how is that possible? (laughs) Does it surprise you? It surprises me. I'm like, what? What do you mean you've only done two things? Because high schools offer so many things now. I just feel like there's just so many options. I think this is a real choice moment because I do run into families who their kids have a lot of free time in the afternoon. They have a lot of downtime. Maybe they have a couple of clubs that they go to half an hour, twice a week. Maybe they play like one sport in the spring. Again, I don't want this episode to come across as me and Kathy are saying that that's inherently bad. Although I do think that there is some utility in helping adolescents discover a sense of purpose. And so having them try things on for sizes, I think just like good for healthy adolescent development. Yep. But if they have like a a more, a lighter extracurricular profile and there's good reason for that, or like they like it, or they just get to like hang at home with their family. Great. Like that's cool. Like that's not inherently wrong or bad. Just know that that ain't going to work at highly selective admission. Like that is the real talk. Like it just won't. You can have all of the, but my my kid is so great and they're so special. And like, once they get to college, they'll be so engaged and like, but they're going to study so hard. So why does it matter that they had more? Sorry, that's just the cold, hard facts of highly selective admission because of what Kathy said in the very, very beginning, because of context, because of who they are competing with in these pools. And that's just the truth. And you, as a parent, I think the real challenge here is to balance. You also can't get on that hamster wheel because there will always be somebody who has harder classes, has more activities, has more like prominent things, more awards. So you have to like find the right calibration 
for your child that promotes their holistic well-being. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. 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 And that's a great segue, this holistic idea into our last point, which is around fit, right? And all of the different options that are available for students when it comes to college search. Yeah. And that College 101 presentation, like for instance, in California, at a big public school, a lot of that would be dedicated to UC requirements. <laughs> and whether or not you've been fulfilled them, if you haven't filled UC versus UC versus Cal State versus private, there isn't going to be a lot of discussion. Like when I was in high school, the expectation was you are going to go to a UC or a Cal State or you're going to not go to college, maybe right out of high school, you're going to go to community college, if that, right? My high school did not graduate 100% of our students. We probably graduated 50%. That was not the conversation we were having was like about fit. It was like, where can you get in and have and get enough money <laughs> to go to college, like get financial aid? These are the places that you can do it. And here's how you fill out a FAFSA. That was really the conversation. And now a days, there's just a lot more options. Well, there were a lot of options back then too, but the conversation or the focus wasn't on helping students really find fit. And so if you're in a position to really help your kids dive deep into that college search, right, there are just so many more options that your child is thinking about probably than when you were applying us to college. So many parents we talked to were like, I applied to three colleges. I applied to five colleges or I applied to the UCs. That was it. <laughs> right? Right. And nowadays it's just... It's not the case anymore. Right, right. Well, and I think also, yeah, so there's all kinds of different, there's different types of colleges, different sizes, public, private, research, small, big, sporty, not sporty, right? There's so many different things. Where I notice this comes up a lot is when you're thinking about the financial options of college, you know, sometimes, you know, if financial aid Mm -hmm. is going to be a part of your journey in the college admission process, there can be this sort of belief that, oh, well, a public school is just automatically going to be cheaper because the price tag is so much lower. And in many instances, that is true. In some instances, that's really not true, actually, that there are instances where private schools are in a much better position to finance a child's education through college and provide robust financial aid packages. And you'd, you'd pay less going to the private school than you would going to the public school. So like, that's a really concrete example of why it's important to educate yourself on like the scope of options. Cause there's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. I think that was a really great point about financial aid. I think so many parents shy away from some of the price tags that they see. It's sticker shock. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, it is shocking. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It is shocking. Financial aid programs, the scholarships that are available at some schools, what you see is the sticker price. It's kind of like when you're buying a car, when you walk onto the lot, like the sticker price is not what you're going to pay, right? Even if your kid isn't like, you're like, oh, only the kids who are so, so X, Y, Z, you know, doing all these things are getting financial aid or are getting scholarship and it's it's not actually true, right? Right. I would also say in terms of fit, there are – I would get yourself a FISC guide. A lot of parents, I tell – like, go get that FISC guide instead of just using the website as a resource, F-I-S-K-E guide. Mm-hmm. It's an old – an oldie but a goodie, the FISC guide. It's an oldie but a goodie. It is great because it just gives like a one-page overview And it's really great for early searching and understanding fit. We do something with our students. It's called Corsava. You might be able to find it, actually. I think you can get it 
just as an individual. You don't have to be a counselor to get it, but it's called C-O-R-S-A-V-A. And on Corsava, we have students sort through 80 different qualities that they, 80 plus qualities that in a college from must have to not important at all, right? And just doing that exercise helps your kids start thinking about where could I see myself, right? And starting those college visits early. It's so interesting. When we used to do college counseling, it was like, it's too early. It's too early. We don't want them to be thinking about that. And now it's like, no, start early. Start early. Why not? Why not? Explore. Explore. Yeah. I think have it, but uh, you know, with that explorer mindset, right? You know, just educate yourself on this, on this stuff. There's no harm in that. Anything else you want to add, Meredith? No, I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. I think there are, we'll link at the end of this episode, we'll link like a link to the FISC guide and other resources that we like. Colleges that change lives. That's a great little book, right? That you could get and read through. Love CTCL. They have college fairs, just so you know. They have the best. They, they have some really cool hidden gems in that group of schools. Yeah. If you're a kid who's interested in LaRoche colleges, small LaRoche colleges, CTCL. Yeah. So, I mean, take heart because I know a lot of our episodes are like, take heart classes, do more stuff. <laughs> but recognize that there's thousands of four year institutions in this country at different levels of selectivity and that fit. Where your kid will be successful is where they're going to feel like they can thrive academically, emotionally, socially, in all the ways that's going to set them up for their future in a better way. And just like know that there's a lot of really wonderful options that you may not have ever heard of that exist out there. So many, so many. I had a parent call me the other day and said, Kathy, I'm, I'm so worried. I'm like, what are you so worried about? Why? Her daughter's a junior and she's like, I'm just worried she's not going to get into a good college and be able to do well. And I'm like, why? Are you? Well, first of all, and I said, what's a good college? I understand your I mean, A lot of parents feel the same way you do. I totally get it. And the first thing I said is exactly that. Like, what do you mean by good college? And she said, <laughs> and you know what she said? Hmm. She said, well, really just a place that she'll be happy and do well. I was like, oh, well, that that's going to happen. <laughs> That's easy. That's very easy, right? If you're saying good, like an admit rate below 15%, a good meaning an endowment of over a billion dollars, like what do you mean by good exactly? Yeah. So if that's your goal ultimately for a kid, finding a place where they will feel like they belong, right? Like this is a great place for me. I love my classes. I love my classmates. That college is absolutely out there. For sure. Absolutely. We want to leave on a positive high note, people. We like it. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. If you have ideas or if you have feedback for us, please email us at hello at wespeakteen.com. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.